Hello everyone, my name is Yvonne Bendinger-Rothschild, I'm the Executive Director of the European American Chamber of Commerce, and I would like to welcome you to our latest look into the crystal ball on the future of finance. Specifically in this podcast, we will be discussing banking culture and conduct and why it's now more relevant than ever. We have the distinct honor to have with us two notable experts on the topic, Bill Rhodes, a member of the EACC and the former chairman and CEO of Citibank, and CEO of William R. Rhodes Global Advisors. Bill gained a reputation for international financial diplomacy in the 80s as a result of his leadership managing the global debt crisis. He has since served as a trusted advisor to a number of governments, finance ministers and corporations worldwide. Bill is an active member of the Group of 30. Bill's conversation partner today is Dr. Stuart McIntosh, the Executive Director of the Group of 30, an international financial think tank comprised of major figures from central banking, the financial sector, and academia. Stuart's research focus includes climate change, macroeconomic and systemic risk, global governance issues, and the international political economy. Their joint work around culture and conduct has been trendsetting. And we asked both to join us today and explain why the need for permanent change of mindset that grew out of the 2008 financial crisis is now ever more important. In this podcast, the two will explore why conduct and culture are still essential to successful leadership in banking, and not only in banking, but especially post-COVID and when the increased digitalization, including work-from-home trends in the financial services sector, Changing expectations of banking customers on both sides of the Atlantic call for new attention on this issue. With that, I hand over to Stuart, who will be setting the stage for our podcast. Stuart, over to you. Thank you. I wanted to thank the European American Chamber of Commerce to uh, give us this opportunity today. My name is Stuart McIntosh. I'm Executive Director of the Group of 30. And I'm here with my friend, colleague and mentor, Bill Rhodes who, of course, is one of the leading bankers of his generation, author of Banker to the World, past chairman and CEO of Citibank, and also currently president and CEO of William R. Rhodes Global Advisors. We wanted to come to you today to talk about bank conduct and culture. This is a a subject that I have been focused on, that Bill has been focused on for a number of years now, but the question we're sort of rhetorically asking the audience and ourselves today is, where are we now? Is this still an urgent matter? What should we be thinking about when we are considering the challenges that we face related to bank conduct and culture today? Now, many years after the, the first huge crises that we saw around the global financial crisis and AIG and so on. So. I want to sort of open it up by, first of all, saying thanks, Bill, for joining me to have this discussion, but also saying to you, perhaps as an opener, Bill, to say, well, where are we now? How should we think about bank conduct and culture today in 2021 and as we as we come into 2022 in the post-pandemic? Thank you very much, Stuart, and uh, thank you, Yvonne. I'm an active member of the European American Chamber, having been recruited by Yvonne several years ago. And I have great appreciation uh, for the work she does and the work of the European American Chamber. As Stuart says, we've been working on this process for a number of years through the group of 30 where we did four uh, reports, which, and I think uh, we had the highest circulation of those reports ever because they were reports that came out 
just after the, the uh, famous uh, debt crisis that we went through with the Great Recession. And at that time, the banks were being hammered for their bad behavior all over the world, but particularly in the United States and Europe. And one of the things I think we discovered early on is that this is a constant journey. It requires continuous focus. It's not just a one-time fix. And by having the proper culture and conduct in an organization, you not only stimulate the employees to do the right thing, the board of directors to do the right thing, and senior and middle management to do the right thing, but also you give confidence to your client that they're banking with the right institution. And we've seen a real fallback over the last few years after making a lot of progress right after the Great Recession. Uh, and I think you would agree, Stuart, that a number of cases which I will cite, which have come up over the last couple of years, shows us that we still need to pursue this, as I said, a constant journey. I think in the case of one institution, Credit Suisse, we've not only had the Archeos collapse, which affected a number of banks, but Nomura being one, but particularly Credit Suisse. And then we had also Greensill happening almost simultaneously. And that was not only Credit Suisse, but it was also their subsidiary in Germany, in Bremen-Hamburg. And I must say that this is where Boffin fell down, as it did, unfortunately, on Wirecard. And so this is a constant journey, I might add, not only for the bankers, but for the regulatory authorities. And I think one of the good things that's happened with the ECB is they've taken a more active role in supervision than they had before, because before we were basically... Uh, dependent on the individual countries almost entirely for their supervisory work. Also, the uh, European, you know, regulatory authority. But I think since we've moved it, uh, or it has been moved in Europe to, I think, the European Central Bank, we've seen much more careful supervisory actions than we saw before. That's really helpful, Bill. And, it, and I appreciate your raising a number of these more recent failures. Uh, because it sort of reminds us all that this is not, you know, it's not, as you say, done and dusted. We can move on to a new subject. Really, getting culture right requires constant focus by the board and the CEO and the senior managers and all the way down, as you say, to be reflected on the front line by all employees to understand what the culture and conduct of their firm is. And it occurs to me that when you talk about our chaos and you talk about Greensill and Wirecard, all three of these institutions that failed were on the edges, on the margins of the banking system. They were under-regulated or at the edges. Are these examples of how perhaps banks sometimes fall down because they, they start playing uh, risky games at the edges where there seems to be more money to be made, but, it's, but they're also under-regulated? Is there, is, there, is there a sense that we need to keep vigilant at the boundaries of, of uh, banking? Well, I think the first line of defense is obviously the bank itself. Uh, we've seen this over and over again because it's really the responsibility, as both of us have mentioned, of the chair, uh, the board, to really middle management right down to make sure there are the proper ethics and conduct there and which is reflected in how the institution does. 
the regulators are really the second line of defense here. Uh, and they come in later on. But I think it's very important that the regulatory authority be on top of these things. And what we had in Europe was a very fractured system where, as I mentioned earlier, individual countries had the primary regulatory authority. And in a number of cases, it didn't work. We have this case of uh, the Deutsche Bank, uh, uh, Danske Bank in Estonia with the Russian you know, money that came out illegally. And also, I want to mention that this is something that really caused an upheaval, particularly at an institution like the Danske Bank, where they had to get rid of most of the board, the chairman uh, and the president. So these are things that you need constant watching on. Uh, and one of the things we should mention, I think, is that this is not just the European banking system. We've seen these failures and problems in the United States, Japan. Even now, we see these problems with institutions in China, uh, the regional banks having to be intervened by uh, the regulators and actually the People's Bank of China, the central bank. So this is a worldwide problem. It's not just a European problem, but since we're talking to the, the audience of the European American Chamber, this is why we're concentrating uh, you know, on this particular situation. And as I said, I give a lot of credit to Mario Draghi to have set up before he left this supervisory role. And I remember in 2012 at the economic summit in the UK prior to the Olympics that were hosted by the UK, asking him a question at the major seminar about the banking regulations and what would be done in, in this. And uh, he's always was a firm supporter of the need to have a banking union. And this is one of the things that I think really still is unfinished business in Europe is to, to finalize the banking union, because I think that this would give the customer and the whole system more credibility if the European banking system was finalized. Really good point, Bill. And, 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 and uh, if I may come back also to your stress on the board role and the board responsibility, I can't agree more with you on that. It's absolutely essential that the board of these firms understand the culture, pick people who lead that culture and who can lead that culture, monitor those CEOs, make sure the CEOs are walking the walk and are exhibiting the culture on an ongoing daily basis and ensuring that it's embedded throughout the firm, through training, through performance management, through uh, hiring and firing, to ensure that, that there is a proper reflection of a healthy culture and indeed that, that where there are bad subcultures, they're nipped in the bud. Maybe I can ask you to just talk a little bit about uh, an aspect that you and I developed uh, uh, because I think it's interesting to the listener, this notion of a dashboard where boards might be able to monitor conduct and culture issues on an ongoing basis. Have, have you seen, have we seen uh, banks and other firms take up that type of approach to oversight of conduct and culture on an ongoing basis? Yes, I think the whole idea of the dashboard, which is something we pushed in our reports, uh, have been implemented in a number of, uh, of financial firms, particularly banks. And I think it's been helpful. And again, this all falls into this European banking union, which I've mentioned earlier and something that Mario Draghi pushed uh, very hard on to make sure 
that this all went together. And then the question is, as you say, Stuart, how do you monitor it? And what you need is a dashboard where all parts of the institution, the chairman, the board, uh, senior management, middle management, right down to the, the employee, uh, you know, at the teller level, really is judged on a dashboard of certain qualities that are there. Uh, one of them that is often overlooked, and a lot of bankers don't like the idea, but we've seen it come up again in the case of uh, Barclays, with this whole question of whistleblower, because we've got to incentivate employees to feel that they can speak up if they see wrongdoing or things that aren't being correctly done, and they are not criticized for it. In fact, they should be incentivated for it. And this was something that was overlooked when it was first uh, came on in the case of Barclays and the regulators there and the bank board didn't do much about it and it's come home to haunt them. So I think all of these things sort of fit together. But when I think of culture and conduct, what stands out in me is a comment that was made to me when we were finalizing one of our reports, Stuart, by Mario Draghi. He says, you know, Bill, my experience working in investment banking before I got involved with running the Bank of Italy, the central bank, and then the European central bank is that if the customer, the client sees that an institution is not only well run, but doing things that are honest, straightforward, and are not pushing the envelope and cutting corners, the individual company and the individual will want to bank with that institution because they will feel it is more secure and their money is more secure uh, and they're not going to be caught up in any sort of web that could happen, you know, to affect their reputation, some reputational situation. And of course, that was one of the real big breakdowns in Wirecard. And I will always remember Mario having said that. Now Mario's had a chance as prime minister of Italy to implement a lot of these things. And of course, I have to say something, Yvonne, on this, uh, that since he arrived at the prime ministership of Italy, we've certainly seen a turn in confidence as to how things are going in Italy, including with the banking system. That's a very good point, Bill. Let me come in and maybe redirect the conversation a little bit. But first of all, to say that I completely agree with you that the centrality of this constant focus, the, set, the importance of the board focus, and the evidence we see that way, if, you, if the board fails, to understand, to monitor, to review the culture, to take actions when cultural failures occur. It is a material factor in the success or failure of that business. Uh, if you look at Volkswagen, for instance, it cost them $33 billion when they failed with their emissions scandal, which went right up to the top. Or you look at the very recent case of, uh, these are obviously non-banking cases, but it's still relevant, the very recent case of the Boeing Max play where they have just paid $237 million in payment in settlement because the board failed to oversee the firm's safety culture and caused a crisis. So I completely agree with you and I, and I agree with you also that key here is that reputation matters and failures in reputation are a material cost to the firm. This is a point at which I want to sort of ask you about, well, Given that this is an ongoing journey, given that we still face these failures, where are we now in terms of the reputation of finance in general? Has it been repaired or is it still in disrepute? I mean, 
the Edelman uh, Trust Barometer appears to show that finance is still in disrepute compared to other sectors. How do you how do you see it? Are you do you worry that there's still a lot to do? I think unfortunately uh, that is the case. The Barclays situation that just happened a few weeks ago is a uh, is a case I think in point. Now I think though we face new challenges. We face this whole question since COVID of working from home uh, by so many employees in banks and in, in industry, etc. How does this affect the whole culture and conduct situation where you can ask the question, are you monitored better or worse because you're working from home? And then AI is another situation because this adds a whole new dimension to what we saw before the financial crisis. And so there are constant challenges here and it puts more responsibility, I think, on the board and senior management to meet these particular uh, challenges going forward, as well as the, the regulators. Uh, and then there, there are also institutions that are not uh, regulated, that are on the fringe uh, of regulation, you know, financial firms that are not regulated like the banking system. I think Wirecard is a perfect example of this, where it sort of falls beneath the net. And what do you do about that? And I think there's a lot of challenge still on the part of the regulators. Uh, one of the things I'll bring up is what's going to happen with, with the cryptocurrencies. Each country is sort of facing it in a different way. The Chinese have decided that they just don't want cryptocurrency, so they're developing their own currencies in this area. And I think you're going to see more and more central banks enter in uh, to this world of having their own digital currencies. And so this is going to make it even more complicated than before. And so it's going to place even more, I think, emphasis on culture and conduct as we as we go forward. Uh, and this is a tremendous challenge that uh, uh, that we see. Also, you need cooperation in the Financial Stability Board, which is supposed to coordinate the actions of the various regulators and central banks around the world so that you don't have one area or one country playing it off against the other because every time I've seen this, uh, it leads to bad actions. I mean, we have all of this situation of the Panama Papers and what's come out with some of these uh, offshore trusts uh, going through banks in the Cayman Islands and uh, in other areas, Panama. And so you really can never give up on this. And one of the things I'd like to mention, which is a little off what we're talking about, but I think is, is relevant. We're getting into an area where one of our major challenges is climate change. And one of the major parts of that is what is the role of the banking system going to be in this area on the financial side and the, issue, the issuing of green bonds and things like that. And so, uh, Stuart, as you know, we've told our colleagues that are working on this that they ought to take some of the lessons that we put forward in our culture and conduct reports and implement them like the dashboard and other things to monitor banks on the issuance of green bonds. So this is a new challenge, but also a new opportunity for the banking system, but a challenge for the management and the regulatory authorities as to how they handle this type of situation. Well, I, I, I want to just uh, reiterate and underscore that I agree with you, Bill. I think this challenge of getting culture and conduct right is that it's a constantly shifting shifting effort. It's a constantly changing environment. 
it's not a static thing, as you said at the outset, where you you tick the boxes, you've done the thing, it's over, you move on to something else. No, culture is a living thing, has to be nurtured and look, looked after, and it has to change as the world changes. And I agree with you as well that the issue of climate change finance, of the transition finance that is needed, requires huge amounts of finance from the private sector. And it also requires that the firms make sure that they are what they are doing is investing in real green bonds with real credibility that really lower and cut greenhouse gas emissions. And it needs regulatory uh, rigor, but it needs the firms themselves as well to make sure that they're not buying bogus greenwashing or window dressing actions that actually don't get us from here to there. But what it shows really is that the work of the board and the work of the senior executives in banking and in finance is never over. They're going to have to grapple with these cultural issues. They're going to have to grapple with the post-COVID economic dynamics and changed workforce. And they have to help transition us all to a green economy that's sustainable and livable for our children and grandchildren. So it's never over. But it's always great, Bill, to see you and to speak to you about these topics because no one has more understanding of what it is to lead a global bank and lead it with proper culture and proper conduct and than you have. And it's just been great to have some time with you. So I wanted to say, you know, thank you to Bill and thank you to the Euro European American Chamber of Commerce for hosting us for this podcast. And we hope to see you or hear you all again soon. I think one of the things I would just add on to this, and thank you, Stuart, is to Yvonne, is I think we should have a session going forward and just talk about uh, climate change, uh, how this is going to be financed by the financial system, the banking system, the non-banking system, because this is going to be one of the real challenges of our day, added on to everything else, including digital currencies, that we're going to be seeing the central banks issue. But Certainly, one of the great challenges of our time is going to be green finance, because if you don't have that properly done, this work that we, we saw in Glasgow and elsewhere will not happen. And all these pledges of these countries to how they're going to cut greenhouse gas will not happen if the finance isn't there to do it. And the banking system and the financial system is the key here. And this is a great challenge, I think, for the future. And we certainly want to work with you, Yvonne on pursuing that in another session and specifically what Europe is doing in this regard. Uh, because, you know, the equator principles people don't realize, which is an earlier version of this, which failed, which was put out some 20, 25 years ago, actually started in Europe. And one of my close friends was one of those who really uh, helped invent the equator uh, principles. And so this is something that Europe has been, frankly, ahead of the United States on all along. The question is how it's implemented and over what period of time and whether the whether Europe, the European Union or the Eurozone can really speak with one voice in this regard. That's right. And maybe that's the sort of good uh, point, to, point to exit because we're giving a little bit of a taster of what might happen in the future. It reminds me of what Ked Rogoff said uh, said to us, Bill, not long ago, he said, if we don't get this right, nothing else matters. So we, we all need to get onto it. And I know that you'll be focusing on this as we will as well.
We will thank definitely you. invite you to have that conversation, both of you, Stuart and Bill. Thank you very much for the discussion. Um, I completely agree with you um, on the next two topics, making sure that um, green bonds are issued um, by the right people in the right way is essential. And it's also essential that the Europeans and the American um, banking sectors are working hand in hand on, on that topic. That concludes this podcast episode. Thank you very much for joining us in the series. We hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation for the EACC Transatlantic Pulse. Please stay tuned for the next installment. Take care.